Hey guys, uh, if you've listened to this podcast for any time at all, you know how much I care about keeping pet care accessible to pet owners and um, and how much I hate when people don't have the resources they need to take care of their pets or staff included. Guys, if you are here, you're probably pretty hardcore about pet health care. FIGO Pet Insurance helps you and your clients prepare for the unexpected so that you never have to make the tough choice between your pet's health and your wallet. Whether uh, these pets are are eating out of the trash or diving off of furniture, pets don't always make the best decisions. We know that. But with FIGO, you can and pet owners can. Designed for pets and their people, FIGO allows you to worry less and play more with customizable coverage for accidents, illness, and routine wellness. (laughs) To get a quick and easy quote, visit FIGOPET.com slash cone of shame. That's F-I-G-O-P-E-T dot com slash cone of shame figo's policies are underwritten by independence american insurance company welcome everybody to the cone of shame veterinary podcast i am your host dr andy rourke i am here with my friend today the one and only dr sheree busan she was uh highly requested when i put out a call to say hey what was the best lecture you ever saw and who gave it uh because i'd like to talk to him on the podcast uh she was uh, she was on the list and got a, a number of little upvotes and uh and i know sheree and i agree that she does a heck of a lecture and she is awesome to listen to and so she's on today talking about imposter syndrome and finding your place in vet medicine this is a fun conversation we get into a lot of different stuff uh it's kind of sprawling there's lots of stories uh being told lots of laughs um i just i think the world of her guys i hope you are going to enjoy this one let's get into it this is your show we're glad you're here we want to help in your veterinary career welcome to the cone of shame with dr andy rourke welcome to the podcast dr sheree busson thanks for being here Hey, thanks for having me. It's exciting to be here and I'm so glad to see you again. It's been forever. It has been it has been a it's been a minute. It it's was been a uh, it's been pre-pandemic since you and I got to hang out. But oh yeah. Gosh. I know. Wow. I haven't seen you since then. Uh, yeah. Wow. It's, uh, it, a it, just, it was 2020 and then it's 2022 and here yeah. we are. So yeah. All right. For those for those who don't know you, uh, Dr. Shri Busan is a practicing veterinarian. She is uh, a hospice veterinarian in Largo, Florida. She is certified hospice and palliative care specialist. And uh, she is uh, the brains behind a Happy Vet, which is a website online with a lot of mental health and wellness uh, resources for vet professionals. And so that is uh, Shri. We met back uh, in the day when I was running the Dr. Andy Rourke website and she just submitted an article kind of out of the blue. And I was like, this is amazing. Uh, and then she started writing more and more. And then she started getting to ask to speak and present on the things that she had written, which were amazing. And then I got to see her just sort of take off like a rocket in our profession. And uh, and she is an outstanding presenter and speaker. And if you get the chance to see her in the post-COVID world, you should totally do that. And so, Shuri, welcome and thanks for being here. Thanks so much. I really oh, appreciate it. Gosh, it has been a really long time. That was 2017 when I submitted that article and I thought, 
wouldn't it be cool if like somebody like Andy Rourke picked this up and then like all of a sudden I had messages from you on every platform and I was like, wow, talk about asking the universe for something. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you were, you were writing a lot of fascinating, fascinating stuff. I think one of the, one of the things that you have really contributed to this profession more than anybody, I won't go that far as to say, I think, yeah, I think one of the things that you really put a stamp on and that you said before anybody else was talking about it, you talked about imposter syndrome. And I think that was one of the first things that I really remember you writing about was, uh, was imposter syndrome. And you were, and you were writing about euthanasia, uh, and hospice care early on as well. But, but I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong. I think the thing that's probably resonated the most with people, I think was, was your writings on, on specific on imposter syndrome. I, I hadn't, I hadn't heard a lot about it back when you started, and then that's kind of where your career came from. Yes. And that, I mean, the term imposter syndrome has been around since like the seventies. So it's, it's nothing new and it's nothing I came up with, but you know, man, when you're struggling in the vet profession and you feel like you don't belong here, you start, you know, if you're a geek, you start looking stuff up, and you're yeah. like there's gotta be an explanation for this. And, um, and I don't even remember where I, where I heard it first, or if I just came upon it on the, on the internet, but I was like, Oh, this explains so much. And I thought, you know, this is something the students need to hear, because if I had known that as a student, that most of the people in my class felt that way, because I think there's this bravado that we all put on, like, you know, we know what we're doing and we're confident and, you know, we're freaking out completely on the inside. And um, and I think there wasn't a push for vulnerability back then. So, you know, everybody was just like, oh, everyone is so much smarter than me and I don't belong here. And, you know, I felt that way. Like, I still feel that way sometimes. And it's been 22 years since I graduated. So uh, I think I think it's just something if we can start and let the students know it's a thing, then I think, you know, I, I, like I watch their faces light up in an audience. It cracks me up because I can always tell who the students are because they like their jaw drops and their eyes get big. And then they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, OK, that's me. So yeah. it just it makes me so happy to see them go, oh, OK, I'm not alone. Everything is fine. Um, I do think that we've gotten like it's become kind of like everybody found out about it and now it's like this cliche thing you know oh there's my imposter syndrome you know and and i think there's there's more being said about how maybe it's not so much imposter syndrome in a lot of places that it's more toxic workplaces and discrimination that are you know that like you 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 don't feel yeah. this way because something's wrong with you. Like yeah. it, there's something wrong with the world, and right. um, I think we we've kind of put it on individuals. Well, if you feel this way, you need to fix it. And I and I think that's that's something we need to lean away from. Um, I mean, we we need to take responsibility for ourselves, but we also need to address the fact that systemically there are problems that cause um, people who are marginalized to feel even more marginalized, sure. and and we need to address that. So um, hopefully we're we're working on that, but um, it's it's not a small problem for sure. So I just want to make sure I understand this too. So it's funny. I I don't think of imposter syndrome as being a vet student thing at all. I you know like to me I just I look around at everyone else that I know and and uh, I guess I'm I'm at a place in my career where I am fortunate. Uh, you know, humble brag. I get to visit with the people in the C suites and the uh, CEOs of big vet companies, <laughs> and you know what I mean. And I know people who own seven vet practices, and like I know that they still have imposter syndrome. Uh, they probably more so because they're like. There's 300 people that work for me. 
that they have no idea who I am. Like they, they clearly <laughs> don't know that I was not supposed to get this job. And uh, and it's funny. So I that's that's the mindset that I have is is in high performing people, uh, whether whether they're associate doctors or whether they're people who own you know practice groups. Um, being affected by this and it's just funny to me that it, that that you see it on the faces of the vet students which totally makes sense but it's not at all the the lens that I was looking at it through yeah and and it's just because as a as a I remember feeling that way like I was the dumbest yeah. one in my class I graduated third in my class okay so I wasn't <laughs> Look, you I, weren't you quite know, the dumbest. I, I, like, quite no, the dumbest. And, and not that the last person that graduated in our class was the dumbest because, you know, not everybody's good at school. But that was oh. always my thing is that I'm good at school. So I was like, how am I going to be a veterinarian when school stops? Because I'm good at school. <laughs> like, that's, that's what I do. Funny. And so I was like, if somebody had just told me or, you know, if I had shared that and maybe they do better in vet school now. And, you know, the, the students share like, hey, I feel really worried about this or, you know, I'm upset about this. But. I was just like, I was in this room full of geniuses and I was like, how did I get here? And I talked to another veterinarian who I just love. And he was telling me that when he graduated, he didn't know they didn't put your diploma in the envelope or the in the in the, the cardboard <laughs> the, thing yeah, that they hand in you. In the tube, in the tube in the that tube. they give you, yeah. So when he opened it, he thought, oh my God, they just didn't want to embarrass me in front of my family. I didn't graduate. And I was like, it, it didn't like it made me laugh, but it didn't even surprise me. I was like, yeah, I could see that totally. Like, you know, they handed us a, a cardboard folder, you know, yeah. a, whatever, a, a pleather folder. <laughs> and, you know, we knew our diplomas weren't going to be in there. Um, and then funnily enough, they misspelled uh, our graduation date on the, the things. We all had to give our diplomas back and, you know. <laughs> get them back um yeah so uh it's it's just the more people i talk to the more i hear it you know like i just i don't know what i'm doing here i just feel like i don't belong here and you know, so if everybody feels that way maybe that means we all belong here <laughs> i yeah. think that's kind of where we need to come from i mean i had great mentors and and they you know they respected students and and young veterinarians and were very supportive and like hey you know take it easy on yourself, you're learning. Um, but I think for new vets too, it gets really hard because like everybody's in, in, in a lot of practices, everybody's real supportive in the beginning. And then once they feel like you should have your feet under you, they're like, you're not going fast enough. And then yeah. like, it just goes downhill from there. <laughs> you're just yeah. like, I can't, I can't keep up and I can't do this. So do you think that that is a, a failing in our profession? So you say, you know, if, if none of us feel like we're supposed to be here, I think I, you know, it's always hard to speak in generalizations, but I definitely get the impression that a lot of us feel like we're not supposed to be here, especially early in our career. Is that a failing in our training, do you think? Or is that an inevitable part of being a human being? Ooh, well, I think part of it is the the selection process for okay. veterinary school is that they tend to select for like for lack of better terms, anal retentive perfectionists. <laughs> yeah, they're going for the people who are yeah. third in their class and think that they're not supposed to be there. That's who right, they go for. Right, and and so like it's <laughs> we just if it's not perfect, we we didn't accomplish it. I think is kind of how a lot of us feel, and so when we have cases that go wrong, we're like, oh, it must be me instead mm. of oh, it must be nature because this is how this works. Like <laughs> sometimes perfectly healthy things just pass away and we don't know why or you know sometimes anesthesia problems happen and we don't know why and although i'm sure if the anesthesia nerds have an explanation for that and oh, that's yeah. why i love they're them great. um they're fantastic but uh you know i just i think we don't get 
it's not realistic. Like our whole thing of, you know, I love animals, but I don't maybe so much love people. Um, so I should be a veterinarian. Like I think there's just, we start off on the wrong foot with, I need to be perfect. I need to get straight A's. I need to get it right all the time. And there's no way for that to happen ever. Yeah. Like you're, you're going to screw up. You're going to have patients that die for no reason. You're going to have patients that die because of you. And, you know, if you're like me, all of them do, because that's what I do for a living right, now, yeah, which different when I you're never, yeah. never would have thought that that's what I wanted to do. And so I, I just think we need we need change in that. We just need to let everybody know it's OK. I feel like all vet students need a letter that's <laughs> like here. Uh, you're going to feel like you suck and you don't belong here. That's crap. You know, uh, here you're you're not going to get everything right. And that's expected. You know, yeah. I, I just I think our expectations are so far from what reality really is. Um, and, you know, you, you, it, a lot of us, this is what we wanted to be since we were kids. And yeah. kids don't have logical, you know, smart ways to look at the world. So, you know, we're yeah. just like, oh, I want to play with puppies and kittens all day. And, you know, it, it just that's not what it is. Yeah, I, I had this theory. I wrote about it in a article that came out just last month. So it came out in, uh, I think, in the July uh, Today's Vet Business. But I, I've got this idea, Sheree, that we need more graduations. And and my, my theory is this, okay? So when we talk about graduations, uh, the point of a graduation is supposed to be to end one chapter of the life and move on to the next chapter, right? So it's based mm -hmm. on these rituals of of adulthood, where you no longer a child, and now you're you're a grown up, and you know now you're a member of the tribe and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we don't do a good job of ending college and beginning vet school and saying this is not college anymore. This is different, and you're going to learn differently. And the expectations are going to be different. And I think we really don't do a good job. And I, I don't think it's on anyone at the school, so don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But I think that we have trained ourselves so that we just, we do the thing and we sit through the ceremony at the end and then we go on and we don't really think about it. And I'd say, I, I don't remember the graduation being a transformational moment for me at all. It was a scheduling challenge that I had to fit on my day and I had to go and do the thing. And I was like, oh, I got to make sure I eat before I go because I don't want to be angry uh, for photos afterwards. And, then, like, and that was as much as I had. I just kind of went on because I was like, I'm going to graduate. It's going to happen. And I think that we need more graduations, which are like, hey, you're not in school anymore. You're not meant to get everything right. And you're going to work with people and that you can't get everything right with people because they don't work that way. Mm -hmm. And so and and people are not going to have the money that that you need to do the things that you want to do. And you are going to be doing your best with a pile of unfortunate circumstances, things that are beyond your control. And that's not failure. That's what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? But I think that a lot of us never really put school behind us and the idea that we needed to get the A and we needed to get it right and everybody needed to like us and be happy. And so that's my sort of idea with imposter syndrome is I wish that we could really put people through a graduation that would say, you're no longer a student. You're a professional with a CVT or a DVM. And this is what you do for a living, which means you you make recommendations, you make hard choices. Some people don't like what you have to tell them. Uh, you know, uh, you're, mm -hmm. you're not going to have all the answers. You can't fix all the things. Welcome aboard because this is what you do now. And so I don't know. What, does that 
Does that make any sense when I say it? Yes, I love it because I read that article. Now that now that you're saying it, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember reading that. And and I agree. Um, I mean, the difference for me, I went from not being able to do anything without direct supervision to being able to do whatever I wanted with yeah. no supervision in like 15 minutes. And, yeah. and I was just like, how is that possible? Like, you know, yesterday I, I didn't know anything. And today I'm supposed to know everything. And I think, I think it's perfectly said, like you graduate and it's a graduation, but you know, there's no handbook, I, I, you yeah. know, like you can't even get, you know, Dr. Spock's like how to, how to survive your first year of vet school. Although there are books now that, that cover that, but you know, are your first year as a veterinarian, but yeah, I, I think we don't, we don't give that the, the credit it deserves for how hard it is yeah. to do that. And I mean, I remember seeing a, a case of flea allergy and I mean, I live in Florida, everything's a case of flea yeah. allergy and I didn't know what to do with it because I didn't, like, I don't know what to work. How do I work this up? Like, what do, what yeah. do we do? And, you know, my boss was like, it's flea allergy, put some advantage on him and give him a shot of steroids and let's go on his way. Um, and, and I was just like, yeah, they didn't teach me that in school. And I was involved in the advantage clinical trials. So <laughs> like, I I knew, but it just, it, it, you know, it wasn't practical for, for what I needed. And, and you yeah. know, it just wasn't something that I was used to seeing. I met, you know, apparently I didn't get any flea infested dogs in Mississippi when I was on community practice. It was probably winter time. It might've been winter time. So I don't know, but it was just so <laughs> odd to me. And I felt so stupid. I was like, he's going to fire me now. Um, and, and I think that's another big component to imposter syndrome is people like, if you have good mentors, they will tell you, like my boss went to the ends of the earth to tell me how much he appreciated me, how great a job I was doing. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> as, soon as, he, as soon as he started to say nice things, you were like, this yeah. is it. He's I'm like, it this up. is it. He's going to fire me. And, and, you know, and, and then I was lucky. Some graduates get bosses who gaslight them and are mean yeah. to them. I can't even imagine how you get through that. So yeah, I, I think there's, there's a whole host of mess that we all have to get through to do this. And we're just thrown in the deep end. And it's like, you know, pin a $20 bill to your collar and wish you the best of luck. <laughs> Have at it. Hey, everybody. I'm just jumping in with two lightning fast updates. Number one, if you have not gotten signed up for the Get Sh Done Shorthanded Virtual Conference in October, it's October 6th through the 8th, you need to do that. If you are feeling overwhelmed in your practice, if you want things to go smoother and faster, if you do not want to watch webinars, you want to actually talk about your practice, you want to do some discussion groups, you want to do some workshops where you actually make things and work on things and ask questions as we go along and have roundtable discussions and things like that that's really going to energize you and help you figure out actionable solutions that you can immediately put into practice to make your life simpler and more or relaxed. I got you covered, buddy, but you don't want to miss it. Go ahead and get registered. Mark yourself off at the clinic for the time so that you can be here and be present and really take advantage of this. I don't want to sneak up on you. I know October seems like a long way away. It's not, but go ahead. I'm going to put a link down below and then when registration opens, we'll let you know it's open and you can grab your spot, but you do not want to sneak up on you. Check out our Get Sh Done Shorthanded Conference. It's going to be a great one. The second thing I'm going to tell you about is uh, Banfield. Thank you to Banfield the Pet Hospital for making transcripts of this podcast available. You can find them at drandywork.com. They are totally free and open to the public and Banfield supports this to increase accessibility and inclusion in our profession. It's a wonderful thing that they do. Guys, that's all I got. Let's get back into this episode.
I want to I want to I want to switch the conversation here a little bit because you're going right right into a really interesting place. Uh, you've had a very non-traditional sort of career. And so you start off when we talk about imposter syndrome. And I think it's interesting that you come out of vet school and you're third in your class and, and you're like, I'm not meant to be here. And this <laughs> this sort of experience. Uh, talk, talk to me about about kind of finding your way in vet medicine, um, and because that's that's something that you speak a lot about and it's something that you're known for. So, yeah, walk, walk me through sort of what your your path was like as you sort of explored vet medicine coming out of this training, out of this training program that we all sort of go through. So I started very traditional um, in a private practice, uh, dogs, cats and exotics, um, not a lot of exotics, but some. It was a two practice. So I went back and forth between two practices. I had fantastic mentors, fantastic, like the doctors placed me in the hands of my CVTs and they were yeah. like, ask them anything. I love um, this. I love those. Yeah. Texts. And, then, oh, and then they had to pull me in the office and say, ask them anything, but not where the client can hear you. So I, I, <laughs> I had that happen one time uh, and I was like, oh my God, they're going to fire me. Um, and then uh, I realized that um, I have a little, we didn't have, I mean, I'm sure it was around, but it, it, training like fear free and low stress handling were not a thing back then yeah. we you know we did yeah. the the wrestle uh wrestlemania yeah. um and i got beaten up by way too many big dogs which god help me was not their fault at all it was it was all me not knowing what to do with them um and i had an affinity for cat for feline medicine so i actually moved to a feline only practice um again fantastic mentor um, a woman, uh, so someone who looked like me in vet med, which was yeah. something I, I hadn't, I mean, I had seen, I had female professors at at uh, the university, but um, my first job, all of us, all, I worked for two men. Um, and so she was just amazing. Uh, and so, like the kind of boss that I still try to be today, you know, just, just fantastic. And we're still really close friends. Um, and so I did feline medicine for a while and I was going to buy her practice and that plan fell through and I had already like acknowledged and decided the things I was going to change that were making my life stressful. And when it turned out that I was going to, she was going to stay my boss and I was going to stay the associate. I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Cause I, I, I now want things to be my way. So, yeah. um, and for whatever reason, then I transferred to shelter medicine, um, where things are oh, never your way. I was going to say, cause that's where you get things your way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was my own boss and it was kind of cool. You know, I, I did get to plan out like, and, you know, really design the medical department, uh, that hadn't been updated in, in years and years and that kind of thing. But, um, so I did shelter medicine. Um, I love spays and neuters and I, I loved being able to take care of pets without owners involved, mm -hmm. um, which uh, at the time, like I really burned out in practice because of, of owners, partially because I had no training and how to communicate with them. Um, I took everything personally yeah. uh, and, um, you know, felt like a failure every time things didn't go perfectly with a client, which how often do they really? Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, did shelter medicine and was able to help these pets. I mean, I had financial constraints and I had a board of directors to answer to, but I was able, like, I felt more brave. I was, I tried surgeries that would save a life because there were no consequences. If it went wrong, I knew I had tried. Whereas on a client's animal, I would have been much more stressed about that. And it, you know, it really rounded out my, my professional life. The politics of being in a shelter uh, was again, too much for me. And I ended up with compassion fatigue and burnout all at the same time, which is a special kind of hell. Yeah. And so I decided I really did need to be my own boss. Um, I need to make my own rules. And I don't know why I didn't know that because I've been that way my entire life. I don't like people telling me what to do. I like to do my own thing. I'm very obedient when I have a boss, but I don't like it. So 
um, I, I moved on to relief work with which was shelter stuff, uh, high high uh, quality, high volume spay neuter, and then that you know I I did that for a while. Um, totally beat myself up doing way too many surgeries and had you know wrist and hand problems. Um, and I had uh, a colleague ask me to do some relief work for a home euthanasia practice, mm-hmm. and I really didn't want to. <laughs> it's like this sounds like the worst job ever. And I was like, but uh, I had lost a big client. I needed the money. And I was like, all right, I'm going to give this a try. I can always back out, which I think is something else that vet professionals, like we feel like we have to marry something every time it comes up. You know, it's like I've been committed to vet medicine since I was 13. And so I have a hard time just trying things. Like if I'm not going to succeed at it and I'm not going to love it, I will stick with it even if it's not good for me. So I think that's another thing that we do is like, we feel like we have to commit to everything forever. So um, I was like, I'll try it and see if I like it. And the first one that I went to, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, And, you know, the the client, (laughs) I I was observing, so I'm terrible at that. So I cried through the whole thing. And then the client hands me the Rainbow Bridge poem and asks me to read it, which I can't read without crying, like in my office. Oh, yeah. Um, Like, I know what's coming. I know, but it's like Steel Magnolia's level ugly crying that I do um, if I have to. So I had to read this whole poem out loud through my tears crying. I was like, oh, this is so embarrassing. And I got out the door and the other veterinarian put her arm around me and she's like, you are going to be so good at this. And I was like, (laughs) Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so. Um, and so then, yeah, it went from there. I, I worked for, for her for a few years and then um, went back to regular relief for a while and then opened my own practice um, back in 2015. Now we just had our sixth anniversary so or seventh anniversary. And it, like it's just been a ride. Uh, but I've learned a lot about trying new things, yeah. Um, especially with my practice, because I wanted, I, I, you know, the wellness portion of my my career is really important to me and I needed wellness and I wanted my team to have wellness. And, you know, veterinary medicine tells you that that's not possible. And, you know, I won't say we do it great all the time, but we, we really try and, and I try to be open. I'm like, all right, we'll try this for three weeks. And then if we don't like it, we're going to go, or if I don't like it, we're going to go back, you know, cause I'm the boss and I say so. <laughs> I um, I have a fancy name for that. We call that pilot programs, and it makes me sound yeah. smart. And it's the same thing. Ooh. It's like, oh yeah, oh. you say yeah, yeah. No, you say Sheree, you say to the team, we're going to do a pilot program. Uh, oh, and that just, sounds we're roll so much this better. Out for yeah, we're going to roll this out for three weeks, and then we're gonna and then we're gonna see if we want to expand the program. And that's how you say. Basically, like I'm gonna try it, and if I don't like it, we're gonna stop. But you don't say it that way. I you love say it pilot in program. Speak. Yeah, you sound, and especially now with Top Gun being out, like oh, you sound yeah. Tom Cruise level cool. We're gonna I have wear, this yeah. pilot program. Like I feel like I could have the glasses. And I the wear Ray Bans when I say it. Oh yeah. man, I have Ray Bans in the car. I'm gonna have to put them on. There you go. Um, oh, you I love it. I love it. But yeah, it's it's given me that kind of freedom to try new things and see what I like. Um, and what I don't like and not be afraid to say, yeah, that didn't work at all. We're yeah. not doing that again. Um, and I just had one of those moments this morning, you know, my my other doctor and I and our receptionist were like scrambling to try to help a family and we were trying to figure things out and we're texting and it was crazy. And we called the lady and she had found help elsewhere or she had gone to the vet in the middle of the night or something. And I was like, okay, 
this is like the thousandth time we've done this. And mm-hmm. like you always say on your, your Uncharted podcast, <laughs> this is now practice policy. Yeah, it's So we surprise. need to change it. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, why don't we instead call people and see where they are and what they need? And then we'll figure out how to help them if they yeah. actually need help. Um, and like, and it's just something as simple as that. Whereas before I would keep doing this and keep doing this and beating my head against the wall. Um, and so, you know, we've, we changed our hours multiple times. We used to be open 8am to 8pm as far as answering phones. Now it's eight to four. Cause that's what my team needed, you know, for their family life. And, you know, I hired people I wanted and they were like, Hey, we got to be out of here by four to take care of kids or whatever yeah. they need to do. And I was like, all right, well, we'll try closing at four and I'll keep an eye on like how many things were missing between four and five 30, which is where we had gotten back down to. I mean, we just changed it. If people are having a problem with something, I'm like, okay, well, what can we, let's, let's try something. Yeah. Let's see what, instead of that whole, we do it this way and that's the only way. And then, yeah. you know, like it or leave it. I, I just feel like that's, you know, that doesn't I, get us anywhere. I love that so much. And and I think that there's this, um, there are these maxims in vet medicine, like the sacred cows that are not to be touched that people <laughs> grab onto, you know what I mean? And, and this sounds so simple, but there's so much of, of our careers that we have more power over than we think. So I remember um, during the pandemic over, so I run un, Uncharted, uh, an Uncharted veterinary community for those uh, who are not familiar with it, but it's a, it's a leadership development uh, community for veterinarians and, and vet leaders. And anyway, um, during the pandemic, we had people burning out left, right, and center, and they oh, yeah. their staff was leaving and things. And the idea came up that's like, we need to close another day a week. And at first when that was said, it was like, this is heresy. And I know so many people, you know what I mean? There are so many people who yes. are like, we can't just take Wednesday off. And the truth is, yeah, yeah you, you can. can. Yeah, you mm-hmm. can. You know, like it takes some planning, but there's no, it's not written down anywhere that vet clinics shall be open on Wednesdays. Um, yeah. Or even that vet clinics shall be open on Saturdays. And we've had a lot of clinics at Uncharted that were like, mm-hmm. hey, we're a small staff and our people are burning out and they need, we're taking the weekends off. We're not, we're not working on Saturdays. And yeah, they, I've worked for two of those practices in my hometown. The yeah. cat practices that were open Monday through Friday. And one of them closes a half day on Wednesday. And you know what? They are so busy. They don't know what to do with themselves. Exactly. And, and I remember my my first boss when the cat hospital, when she decided to close on weekends, she was like, I don't know if I can do this. And her doctor told her because she had gotten shingles. She was like, you're either going to see less of the clinic or more of me. Take your pick. Yeah. And she was like, yes, ma'am. And she shut it. And she said there were probably three people out of all of her clients that left the practice because they they could not be seen on the weekend. Yeah. Three and, and I think we, we underestimate how many people see us on Saturdays because it's convenient as yeah. opposed to when they, you know, that they absolutely can't. Um, and, and yes, and no matter what you do, you're going to lose people. And that's like, I've heard practices that are like, we just need to be open 24 hours. And I'm like, oh, okay, uh, well, yeah. no, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you can find the people who want to do that, great, you know, and for emergency clinics, obviously, but I mean, we even have an emergency clinic that they, they're open, you know, specified hours, they're 24 hours on the weekends and holidays, but not during the week. They, you know, they close and and they refer to other places. And I mean, you know, it takes some shuffling around and and it's hard. But I mean, if if we we have a shortage of, of team members, largely, you know, our own fault because we work people to death for for very little pay. Yeah. And, you know, I, I worry about that all the time and, and I pay quite a bit more for my team than, than most of the local practices. Um, and they work from home. Like they don't, yeah. they aren't 
I mean, they deal with clients on the phone. They're not, you know, they're not in person. So, you know, people tell, you know, we just can't afford that. And I'm like, I make way less money than you do and I can afford it. I, yeah. I make sure to. And yes, I have to make sacrifices for that. And sometimes I'm like, why am I doing this? But, you know, I have wonderful team members who are are here with us and, you know, say it's the best job that they've ever had, which means the world to me. And, you know, people are looking for something different. And, you know, I don't think anybody likes the grind. And when work becomes yeah. a grind, especially something like this, that's a, like a passion for you you know, having it become a grind is just the key to burnout and being miserable. And I will oh, yeah. say I burned out completely during the pandemic too. Um, cause when you work until you get sick and then you don't get sick, that's a really stupid plan. Yeah. And so that was, yeah, the plan. That, that, yeah. was that was the plan. I was like, we're going to be, we'll be sick, you know, between my husband and I will, we'll probably not be able to go out into the world for a month. Cause back in the beginning, it was like two weeks for yeah. each person that got sick. And I was like, plan to be out of work for a month. I'm going to work my butt off and then, you know, take a, a, a month in bed with COVID. And yeah, that didn't happen. I caught COVID this past April for the first time that I know of. So, so oh, man. best laid plans of veterinarians and yeah, there you go. stuff. I, um, the, my favorite piece of career advice, which is so dumb, but it's true. It's like, figure out how to do more of what you like and how to figure and figure out how to do less of what you don't like and then yes. just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And people like that blows some people's minds and it sounds so simple, but it's true. And it's just sort of yeah. like, do the, you know, what do you like to do? I, uh, I mean, I remember when I, when I, uh, cause I was working full time as a veterinarian and I had little kids and I was just writing at night and on the weekends and I was doing some, you know, I was going to some conferences to present like, as long as I could get there after work on Friday so I could get, you know, speak on Saturday, then I would do the job. But that was, <laughs> but, but, uh, but I was doing all this stuff. And finally I was like, I'm not going to work full time anymore in the clinic. And that just felt like, um, I don't know, like some taboo thing mm -hmm. to be like, I'm not going to work, you know, four days a week and, and every other Saturday, I'm going to work three days a week and every other Saturday, and I'm going to take Fridays off. And, and I told my boss that I was like, this is what I need. And I think so many people just can't imagine themselves saying, well, this is, this is what I'm going to do. Um, you can do that. It's, it, it's allowed. Of course I did not go. I don't, I don't want to just sound like I unilaterally said to my boss, this is how it is. No, I went and I said, I have an idea and this is what I would like to do. And I can see how it could work here as well. Um, and, and at that point, you know, it was back, it was back when things were slow sometimes and she was happy to not pay me you know, 18% of my salary or whatever it worked out to be for me right. to cut down a day. So she was happy to get the cost off the books and I was happy to get the free time and it, it worked out. But um, yeah, it, it's funny how much control you have. And I, I think your story is great uh, moving around through the rooms of vet medicine, right? It's a, it's a big house. There's a lot of rooms and, and yes, I think it's I awesome. You got to try that. Out. So yeah. if you could go back knowing what you know now, um, sort of just, just in regard to sort of finding your place in the profession, what advice would you give to young Sheree if you could? Ooh, I did a whole lecture on this. <laughs> I posted every I year need about graduation. a three minute answer here. <laughs> yeah, uh, they, they told me 10 minutes and I, I, I pushed it to 20. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to be good. Um, yeah, I think just, um, to do what makes you happy, um, and to speak up. I, I, I think there's a, a lot of, 
Um, I know, I mean, I was raised in Louisiana and, and Florida. I'm a, I'm a good Southern girl. You know, we don't like to make people uncomfortable. We don't like to have uncomfortable conversations. Uh, we are just pretty and we sit nice and we do the things to make everyone happy and comfortable. So no one's uncomfortable. Um, and then you are uncomfortable all the time. Yeah. You live um, your life uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm 47 now I'm still uncomfortable, you know, having uncomfortable conversations, but um, I think getting comfortable with that and, you know, I think <laughs> take a communications course for the love of God, please take a communications course um, and learn how to talk to people and, and learn how to not take what they say personally. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think those things, I mean, now I look and I'm like, uh, yeah, you know, get therapy because it's super helpful. Meditate. Like if I could, if I could go back and make myself meditate, I, I think that would have been great. Um but, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to find things when it's your time to find things. And yeah, <laughs> I've, I've had that. I've had that thought a lot recently, just of um, there are so many things that I do now in my 40s that I'm like, God, why didn't I start doing this when I was 30? Right? And I don't think that I would. I don't know that you could have talked me into it when I was 30. So yes. meditating or uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the other stuff that I do. I, I've been um, I have a saving I, money, <laughs> saving money. Yeah. <laughs> All those sorts of things where I go, why didn't I pick this up earlier? I, I've got, I've been, um, I've been cooking a lot recently and I really enjoy it. And I'm mm -hmm. like, all of the money I could have saved in my twenties cooking for myself instead of, you know, eating out every meal, like just, just basic stuff like that. Yep. I'm like, and also just the enjoyment I would have had of doing a hobby that I didn't find until much later on. But I, I think you, I think you find it when you find it. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and I, I just, I think I kind of lost myself. Like, like Sheree the vet became my entire persona yeah. and like Sheree, the person didn't really matter. Like we, you know, we just ran her to death until she was like, okay, that's it. You know, I'm sick now. And now we have to be Sheree, the person in bed with a thermometer in your mouth because you're, you know, you overdid it. Yeah. You know, that just that, that balance and that it's not, you know, it's not a balance of, you know, work is 50% and your personal life is 50%. Like it's, it's a constant shift and it's, it's like yoga, you know, you, you've just got to yeah. keep, keep your balance. You're going to sway one way or the other. And, um, it, it's, it, it, I really, I really just wish I could have told myself just sit back and enjoy it because yeah. it's such a great ride. And, you know, 22 years later, I'm, I'm looking back and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, I've had this such an exciting career and such a such a diverse career. And I'm so glad I tried the things that I did. Um, because I, you know, being an, an anxious person, I I have a lot of problems trying new things and potentially failing at them. Um, you know, to just try stuff if it interests me and and just to to go for it and and see. I mean, good luck. My whole career is based on something I didn't want to even try. And, you know, I I kind of was forced to by circumstances and, and look how great it, it turned out. And, and now I'm doing what I want to do. So, um, and I think too, just like not being so hung up on what, what vet medicine is right now and how yeah. you have to run a practice. Like, you know, my, I don't, there are practices that run a bit like mine, but you know, I've never seen one that's, you know, so schedule friendly and, I mean, it's a lot of work on me when somebody says, hey, I'm taking vacation and somebody else yeah. goes, oh, I'm going too. And it's like, oh, why did I do this? Why don't I, you know, have those rules where no one goes on vacation without my permission. But then I look at how people want to stay and want to, you know, want to work and, you know, it's worth it. It's it's fine. And um, I, I just love everybody kind of being their own boss. And, you know, they have to work within the confines of my practice, but 
you know, there's not that, that, you know, I am the boss and you must do what I say or else, yeah. you know, we, we kind of are a co-op, I think of, of people. Um, and you know, so far I, I like it, but you know, I'm glad I had the experiences that I had. Otherwise I might not have been brave enough to try this. And I still, at times I'm like, am I doing the right thing? Is this, you know, that imposter syndrome, you know, it's like, oh gosh, am I qualified to be somebody's boss? Like I can't oh, even yeah. manage my own life. Like, <laughs> can I really yeah. run this business? And then, you know, my accountant's like, hell yeah, you can look at these numbers. You're doing great. You know? Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. like, okay. All right. All right. I'll, all right. I'll believe it now that you're showing it to me in black and, and white. I, I'm, I can do it. You're, you're talking um, to a guy who owns a veterinary conference. Like, yeah. I can't believe there's not some ruling body that has to sign off on that, but they don't like, <laughs> I, I waited I waited that. for three years for the AVMA to show up and shut me down. I'm like, I don't know if they have that power, but I feel like they should. But no, <laughs> they don't. They don't. And so you uh, just go for yeah, it. You just yeah. you just do it. And uh yeah, it works out. Dr. Sheree Busan, you are amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you online? Where can they read your stuff and uh and get more of your wisdom? So they can find me at a happyvet.com. Um, which is uh, my website for wellness in the vet profession. Uh, we're also, we're very active on Facebook. I've, I've been neglecting it a bit lately because the Helping Hands, which is my hospice practice, has been busy. Um, if you're interested in hospice and palliative care, helpinghandspethospice.com is my website uh, for, for my, my mobile practice. Um, so you can reach me at either of those places. Um, and uh, my email address and my phone number are on there. So you can contact me if you're interested. But um, I'm so happy that you contacted me to to come do this because uh i've been i've been missing the the camaraderie and seeing your face and talking to you it's been great do you want to tell a story about about where this where this uh came from where this podcast came from when you told me this okay i will okay so okay, tell andy, it, this is andy had a, a post asking for people's favorite lectures um, and I think it even said that you were looking for people to interview yeah. for your podcast, but you were just it. like, I want to know your favorite like lectures. And it came across and I was like afraid to read the comments because I was like, you know, I, I really wanted somebody to mention me. Um, and <laughs> and I was <laughs> I like, oh, so the much. irony of, of, of the that. Irony. And and what's hilarious is that the person that that mentioned me actually specifically mentioned imposter syndrome, which cracks me up because I was like all impostery, <laughs> like everyone else is going to get loved and I am not going to get loved ever. <laughs> And so, uh, so yeah, so somebody like I watched it for a couple of days. This is so embarrassing. And <laughs> and finally, somebody did post it and said something about me. And I was like, my thought that ran through my head completely like subconsciously, but so it, it came up was, oh, thank God I'm for real. <laughs> you know, God, that was, that was what came up. Yes. Thank God. Somebody know, like I am actually a human being who who got some recognition. I so that's, that that's validation. All good. Someone yeah, in the I needed comments. that validation. Someone in the comments on Facebook oh, validated yeah. me. Uh, so my so career true. is meaningful. And I was like, okay. So yeah, I, I think I actually talked to it, talked to my therapist about it that week. I was like, you are not going to believe <laughs> how worried I was about this. And, uh, and she just cracked up and, and shook her head. <laughs> humans are, humans are strange animals. Yeah. We? That's like, why I don't oh, work man. on them. <laughs> yeah. That's a good call. All right. I think that's the last word of wisdom on this side. I think that's great insight. All right. Thanks, Shuri. Hey, everybody, take care of yourselves. I'll talk to you next week. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks so much to Shuri Busan. Uh, she's incredible. Gang, take care of yourselves. Be well. I'll talk to you later on. Bye.